Now entering Nerdist.com. Cash Hartzell, Cash, say something. Hi, everybody. Hey, oh, Adam is here. Adam, uh, how's it going? You have no soundboard, and Neil isn't here. Are you going to feel more power tonight? <laughs> we, we got a soundboard. <laughs> we sure don't. <laughs> that was, I, I, I pride myself in how good my fart sounds are. I refuse to believe your blood. Yeah. Okay, we're getting better. Uh, we have two guests tonight hanging out. Former guests. Uh, the uh, director uh, of the Meltdown show um, that we've been uh, filming. Uh, also, he is the director of the uh, Future show and uh, of uh, just so many, too many things to really even go through. Most importantly right now, though, he is uh, now going banding about the country in support of his documentary called uh, whoa, Breadcrumbs, um, Breadcrumb Trail. Breadcrumb Trail, the Slint documentary. Please, everybody, welcome Mr. Lance Bangs. Yay! Yay. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah so I forgot I got to do these things. All right. <laughs> That's long. That's longer than it should be. Yeah. Record scratch. No, I don't think the record <laughs> scratch turns it off. Uh, so hold on. Nope. Hold on. Nope, doesn't. <laughs> just gotta. First stay. ten minutes of the show is just reinventing the wheel. Yeah, it really is. Guys, we're starting from scratch. Um, Who and... knew Neil brought anything? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when someone's so lame in the room, you just want to show you know show them that you're so much better than them. Yeah, yeah. By doing better things, uh, Lance. Um, uh, we're gonna get to what's going on with the documentary in a bit, but I want uh, a first time guest. Uh, uh, a man that uh, has been in quite a, a many bands, and he uh, I've known him since uh, I was five years old. We got into he's been mentioned on this podcast more so than yeah, this even, feels, even my wife. <laughs> this feels uh, like a late episode of Lost. It's like a character we've heard so much about <laughs> finally yes. shows up. Yeah, the man in whack. I'm a polar uh, bear. You're the polar bear. Yeah, <laughs> finally the polar bear is here. First time guest, long time friend. Actually, the polar bear was shown into the microphone. You've been in bands a long time. Don't mark Trim. I've never been on a podcast. Though. What? Never been on a podcast. Well, you want some headphones? Microphones work the same wherever you go, friend. Is that true? Is that true? I got a lot of complaints. Hey, Ruby. The Ruby the dog is here. Let's hope she doesn't smoke us out with her <laughs> fucking farts. Um, I uh, uh, a couple comments on recent episodes. Uh, uh, Mark Trombino 
great at recording bands, not great at recording his own fucking voice. <laughs> I love the guy. He's a very sweet, very talented guy, but could not bother like like a like a like a uh, like an anorexic with an ice cream cone. That's how he held the microphone. <laughs> He didn't want to get it too close. He didn't want to get too close to be tempted. Um, but like for a guy that uh, is so good at like he's a, not only is he just a producer, he's like he's engineered records, meaning he's the guy that had to set up the microphone. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, we want to thank everybody who came out to. Have we done an episode in San Francisco? No, we haven't done an episode. We want to thank everybody who came out to the San Francisco show. Uh, you know, we got had some nice friends come in. Alex Pardee made it out from Oakland. Yeah, that was and, really cool. Uh, My old friend uh, Jake was there. Our good old friend Jake Jake Diaz was there. Oh shit! Um, yeah. And everyone who came out and bought uh, Jonah Radio shirts. No thanks to anyone who bought Neiled It shirts. Oh. And, um, <laughs> and also to uh, to our new best pal Michael Cronin, who we showed the glory of IPAs and how they have a lot more alcohol content than his normal PBRs. Yeah. <laughs> We left him in a bad state. Uh, well, at least I got introduced to his girlfriend five times. Uh, <laughs> what was her name? Stone Cold Sober. What was her name? I don't remember. I was pretty gone, too. Um, eh, eh, eh. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so <laughs> I'm going to... facial expressions really sell that sound effect. So, <laughs> yeah. Woo. Apologize to Lewis. Yeah. Um, what I want to do, though, right now, we're, gonna, we're just going to uh, break for a song as we all get settled in. Um, we're going to play... Uh, we have a, a bunch of... Uh, Songs of uh, bands that Donald's been in. <laughs> Starting, I, I'm in a few that, of these. That's did you call up Arn? I called up. I called up our good friend Arn Souza, uh, otherwise known as Kaikea, and uh, <laughs> and uh, we have a, n- a new original song, which is one of our first bands with our friend Raph Taylor. We got Thirty Six Chambers, our straight edge hardcore band. Uh, we got Quarterhead when we tried to get funky. Uh, mm-hmm. We like we we got way into. Well, Donald started listening to Captain Beefheart pretty much, and then that's when that band started. Yeah, well, it was more just like Yamos. We were into the Yamos, yeah. um, and we were into um, Q Nut U had just started playing, and yeah. then there was also a, uh, a Nation of Ulysses. Yeah, you probably saw them a bunch, huh? Yeah, fucking of course you have. Q Nut U. Q Nut U. It was yeah. also just more because everyone in Hawaii was pigeonholing us as like just hardcore dudes. So it was that, it, it was, was a reaction. So it, it was, was more. Reaction. It was more like we still listen to hardcore, but. What, we also listen to rock and roll. And- yeah, yeah. And then they started, then like, uh, then all of a sudden, gutter punks came out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, gutter punk kids just out of nowhere. Don't, shouldn't exist. It's weird. It's like a. Uh, gutter punks that really were like, it's like you're in Hawaii. Yeah, we were trying to, that's the whole thing. Because we were like, we were like getting into dressing up like, you know, like rock and roll dudes because we were playing that music, but we didn't dress like that all the time. It was yeah. more just when we were playing because it was fun. And then these kids, we didn't know how gutter punk could exist without gutters like how yeah. like these kids could just and and i know that's that's a like a cool thing about music is that you know you can get into the you can get into music and then you get into the fashion of it and you know a punk fashion is just that a fashion i yeah. mean it yeah. was like it's like are you are you of this the mindset that uh malcolm mclaren invented punk fashion what vivian westwood vivian westwood yeah who's the one with the store it was no. her shop wasn't it it was yeah. her shop it was, it was i thought was and then who what so Malcolm McLaren just once again taking credit for stuff, <laughs> as he does, yeah. Yeah, but she's the one that essentially uh, made the like, like the fucking fact that the guys from Rancid still dress like that. I think is a is real silly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Things <laughs> things look cool. They and, do, and <laughs> but you know what? Smoking some people cigarettes can, looks cool. Some people can pull off a certain style, but like at this day and age, it's just like homage. Yeah. So it's like Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Plus 
as shitty as those kids were, they were 16. So, yeah. Cut them some slack. But do you, <laughs> I mean, I, I, have a, I have a question about, uh, since the, the quorum from Hawaii is here. Um, <laughs> were, they, were the gutter punks, were they also white kids or were there also like Samoans or was it all? No, it's a Hawaii that none of that, the race doesn't factor into really any yeah. of it. Yeah. I mean, they were probably... There was a couple white kids. There was a like, couple Filipino kids. Yeah. Japanese. Yeah. The locals. Just the local half, kids. Half yeah. Asian, half white, half something. Yeah. You know. That stuff, like, uh, half, it doesn't... None of that stuff really... Like, you know, Hawaii is such a mixed place. Uh, and that's always... that's always. I, I know I've said this before, but, like, when people go, oh, like, um, you know, L.A. is a melting pot. New York is a melting pot. It's like, no, it's still crazy segregated. You know, you're yeah. just like, it's yeah. like the neighborhoods are very specific. In Hawaii, it, everyone lives in every neighborhood. There's really, there's a Chinatown, but there's really no reason for it to be called that. Yeah. I mean, there are some segregated neighborhoods in But they're Hawaii, still like within that neighborhood. It, they're just local, you know? Yeah. It's not like just one place. Local is the blanket statement. Like, yeah. You don't, like, it's too, people are too many things. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah. And, if everyone on that island is mostly like six things you're just local and it's just yeah. easier yeah. to say it's supposed to be about 50 percent caucasian in hawaii anyway if you yeah. look at like census and stuff like that which yeah. is weird but uh but like on top of that the amount of people on an island that are going to get into punk it's like you yeah. that's you know no. and i I've yeah. talked to other kids in like kind of like in towns in the middle of nowhere and they say the same thing it's like when you hear a kid in a city going, yeah, I used to go to hardcore shows, and then I stopped going to those because I went to punk shows. Yeah. You're like, those are two different shows? <laughs> you come from a small town where it all probably mixed together, right? I was kind of bouncing around enough different places that there were times that I was in places that had delineated cultures where definitely like in high school eras in different parts of New Jersey around military bases. Um, oh, the Fort yeah. McGuire. So there was City Gardens in Trenton, which is a completely remarkable place. Just a Is that the... Did they just do a excerpt of that from the New York Times, like John Stewart talked I think about so, yeah. bartending? He was a bartender there. there. Yeah. Um, it was like a large bunker of a place, and a guy named Randy booked it. And they just happened to be able to pull bands that were in kind of the New York area on their way down to play other places like DC or Philly, or whatever. Oh, wow! You could go there, and it wasn't like tying into the same media market or, or you know, you weren't it didn't like, affect, anything. affect anything else. Yeah. You could go there. So it also became a place that like the Ramones or Sonic Youth could just go work out new material or try new stuff and it wouldn't be on the spotlight of writers from new york or philly catching it in. oh yeah because oh, it's just cool. there was a, there was a, a scene there that would go because yeah. and that was a you know like when bands would come to hawaii it was like like uh you know you you wouldn't even say what kind of music it is you would just go well mainland band's coming yeah like let's go because it's something <laughs> different it's like you know it's an opportunity. That's to why you end up at an, an assorted jelly beans show yeah, on the <laughs> North Shore yeah, in a fucking gymnasium. But at the same like, time, we also got to see Unwound that way. Yeah, I, I didn't see Unwound. You Did, didn't go? No, that that was a town show. I was too young. I wasn't allowed. I wasn't allowed to go. That's like yeah. one of the biggest regrets of my being in Hawaii. Like that was like the height of like knowing about a band like Unwound. And then them miraculously being in Hawaii, but it being on the other side of the island and being like sixteen and not being allowed to go. Yeah, it was. Uh, there was yeah, there was a stigma like that's like that was like you know you can't go into town; it's dangerous. Yeah, you know that's what like going on the other. It's well, I think it, minutes away. Well, well yeah, it was, well, it's, it's also like you. It is like ridiculous because you do have to go over a gigantic mountain. Yeah. You have to go through a mountain. Through a to, tunnel. Yeah, yeah. Know, it was on the poly at the time. Yeah, yeah, a sketchy road kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, that's you know you find those those kids in the you know that just have like you know we'll in Hawaii we had one you know there would be one show and it'd be like well here's the ska band here's the hardcore band here's the uh, you know pop punk band yeah 
as uh, as metal crossover into that at all or was that you know there was, that was a scene that kind of stood on its own yeah but there was definitely there was metal like there was theocracy ad which mm-hmm. is a christian metal band which sounds terrible but they were like pretty decently good at being a metal band and yeah. like it not being over the top christian and then there was just like there's a band like omnicide which was oh, yeah. like i always loved just that name weird, i was so, so into that weirdo name. like there was an 80s metal scene and some of those dudes that were like looking like one of our best friends uh raf dongan like him and his brother Liz were like now. were in we're just like these brothers they got exposed to like you know mainland bands like they went on a tour of like major cities and then just like that's all you got in hawaii pre-internet was like dudes getting exposed to certain things from the mainland and then bringing it back and then telling everyone else like oh there's yeah, this band wow. or there's this band yeah yeah like uh, and so was... like they got into like like random metal shit like he like like in crossover metal they were into like yeah the, like uh like they went to new york they learned about like you know just thrash stuff brought that back and there was just yeah there used to be like weirdo dudes that were into like cool shit miraculously and mike then, fujimoto yeah <laughs> that guy i brought him up a bunch on this thing is that what the coolest guy yeah there was like yeah there was just like older dudes that had cool hardcore and metal bands in that scene yeah. and then but or if was, a band went on tour if like a band in hawaii went like which is rare for them to go on tour they'd like come back with like you know like oh you should check like grapefruit came back and they're like you should check out zoinks or scared of chaka yeah. or you know any of these bands that they end up playing with and you you like you know, or you see a band that would go on the mainland and do a tour and come back and you see like a new sticker on their guitar and you go like, who's that yeah who's that and guy? i mean luckily like a few people started doing distros like dave uh yeah, dave noodle dave he like just what uh, what's a distro <laughs> so <laughs> a distro is essentially like you can you can uh buy in like tiny bulk i guess would be a, like a term yeah. for it where it's like you could if you bought two of everything or mm-hmm. three of everything you would get a, a good rate oh and so you guys would just get like stuff that they liked and they would show up at a show and they would sell the stuff they liked and that's wow. this guy sold like seven inches from you know that dishwasher seven inch like he was so the high fives and scared of chocolate a lot of pop punk stuff like mutant pop yeah. stuff dillinger four and you would just like you it was almost like a, a curated you know, mom and pop record store where it's like, it's like, well, I like that guy's band, so I'm probably going to like the stuff. And I remember, I got, like, I bought a Helicopters CD from him. I was like, well, I don't like the Helicopters, but, uh, <laughs> but I like, but I fell in love with you know, Scare Chaka. That's yeah. re- that's really cool. I I didn't go to a ton of punk shows, and they certainly yeah. the ones I I went to didn't weren't that adventurous. I ne- I never knew of anything like that. But that's that's really cool because I I mean, we're talking about the days of like mail order and stuff like that, yeah. but. Yeah, I can see being on an island and wanting like just fucking jonesing for anything. Yeah, that's out I mean there. Yeah. that that didn't just exist. I mean that having a distro like existed everywhere. There was a punk scene. For yeah, the yeah, most it part. still goes on now. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, like I mean, and it was a huge like pre just being able to like Google search anything. Mm-hmm. Like just having a dude that seemed older, seemed like he had some taste, and took some chances. Like. Our friend Dave, like, he didn't listen to hardcore, but he would carry some stuff. Like, it would just be, like, the old Mortem catalog, and he would just, like, take (laughs) a chance. 
bring in a few like hardcore seven inches and then once he like I realized mean, he had spaz we bought spaz yeah, from him yeah absolutely like the first like the, or the second spaz lp he like yeah. brought that in and like and he would always this was always the neatest thing i remember one time like donald bought a spazzing from him and we didn't really know i don't think it was before we knew who like he like knew him personally but i remember him going like yeah i kind of figured you'd want this yeah like <laughs> he like would survey the scene <laughs> yeah and like have an idea of what kids might buy and that well, was that, like, that's kind of cool that's like you said it's like a curator almost like an educator where it's like yeah i may not be into this but i know people who are and they'd tell you to buy this yeah or, i mean it's just a smart guy like beyond you know the counter at a record store but just happens to be at a table at a show so it's a huge help and like once they figure out like oh there's a couple of kids that are into this then it's like you just get more and stuff yeah yeah definitely i mean so were there some were there guys doing distros when you were not at city gardens but there have been you know kind of in the times after that like athens and atlanta and like over the time that we were shooting bad grandpa the um jackass film you're going to a lot of smaller regions of the country where people would be less, you know, keyed in or expecting that the weird thing that yeah. was happening was. was yeah, <laughs> you have to. You spend a lot of time around like uh, different parts of North Carolina, South Carolina, and it shows there um, like at the milestone, there would be people showing up doing distros now. Like even though the Internet exists and you can hear any yeah. of these things. Yeah. Anytime you YouTube want clip, you still were taking the judgment or aesthetics or kind of, you know, curated, cultivated taste of this person at the show who was set up, you know, near where their band was trying to sell their yeah. own merch, but they've got dollar yeah. albums. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And shirts and stuff. And so tapes. it's great that that's still going on. A lot of, yeah, a lot of cassette culture. Yeah. It's really yep. like uh, Burger Records alone, 600,000 tapes last year in 2013. Oh, did yeah. you see, see what happened insane. last week with uh, with Burger and uh, the Muffs? Our, yeah, the Muffs. Yeah, he told, he talk, Ronnie talked about the last time he was here, didn't but he? But it was official. Oh, it was official. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the Muffs are now on Burger Records. That's crazy. Ridiculous. That's Lee. Great. Can't believe Lee, the guy I hated for so long, is part of something so <laughs> Why? cool. Why he you... was just the most annoying. I called him annoyingly. Uh, like <laughs> he was just this moppy-haired kid. You know, looking back, he was probably just, you know, he was sixteen maybe at the time. He was just this Orange County kid and just would get drunk and like try and dance and knock stuff over and like uh, it just it was just he would bug me. And then he was in the band that was called uh, the Noise, literally. It wasn't noise music. It was just they all started playing different things at the same time. And I was like, I was like, that's a waste of people that are making stuff. Yeah. Uh, but then mm-hmm. he ended up joining and turning this one band into like this band called uh, The Makeout Party when he moved to Long Beach. And I was like, I was like, fuck, fuck, this is real good. <laughs> <laughs> and then I talked to other people from Pedro and they're like, yeah, you know, he was a kid. He mellowed out. And I go, yeah, yeah I guess. You know, I always think about that uh, that Dana Gould line. He's like, every time I see somebody that I knew before I turned thirty, I just apologize to them. <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry, I was probably a real piece of shit. But um, but yeah, it's it's neat that that still happens, and it will always happen. It's you know, everyone everyone always thinks it's like the underground. But, yeah, that's one of the things I got real angry at Pat and Oswald about, where he wrote this whole article like three years ago, maybe even Wired or Mental Floss or something like that. But seeing how there's no more underground culture because it gets like the Internet exposes it all and it gets co-opted. And I wanted to just like, oh, did you have that's a guy saying that because he finally slipped and he can't find it. (laughs) It's like and it's easy to like you turn your back for a moment and ever like and then like, you know, C-Punk is a thing. You're like, it's not really a thing. And it turns out it's a whole scene as much as Jake Fogelness will tell you it's not like it's (laughs) like there's a culture of kids that, you know, call themselves C-Punk or you know. 
I tell this kid Kyle Clark is a great comic, but he's like you know still kind of part of the music scene, and he'll be like, "Well, you know, they're real doom dub metal," and I was like, "That's not a thing." <laughs> and you go to that record store. It was that record store in Highland Park? Uh, the um, oh, I'll take you there, uh, Donald. But it's a uh, it's called uh, uh, Mount Analog, and you go, and it's just like it's like a lot of digital, you know, EDM kind of stuff, but like the genres are broken up so much with their own alphabetized stuff within the genres that, and I had never heard of those genre yet enough to merit an ABCD, you know, uh, cataloging. And I was like, I was like, let's get out of here. I feel old and uncool. Yeah. Well that, I mean, (laughs) but that's just it. You're, you think tapes suck, but that is a thing that like helps teenagers create an underground scene and system for them exactly because like, i'm an old guy and I, <laughs> but the, the worst was and i've said this before but like the fucking guy at that love garden in lawrence kansas and i was like it's like yeah, it's like yeah it's fucking tapes huh this is kind of dumb he's like oh, it's not for everybody i was like you fuck you shut up <laughs> <laughs> you just did that to me yeah yeah i do that to people but like that's the thing it's like you know you got if when the kids start pissing you off or when you don't think they're doing it right that means they're doing it right that means they're it completely and how do you like? How do you like have your your hands in the youth culture in many different? Yeah, scenes? I still kind of make a point when I'm traveling around to go find whatever shows or house parties or things are happening, and just kind of turn up and then start talking to people there. Yeah, and see what they're into. Yeah. And is there ever a time where like you, there everyone's like, this band is the best, and you hear it and you're like, really? No, I mean that hasn't really happened among the people whose taste I feel like I key in on and and would yeah. respect, even just like walking to a random spot like i get a sense of like who i would connect with yeah yeah that's true taste with and and i'm rarely let down by the things that they you know tell me to check out or go see and it's a and the lines are being blurred uh genre wise for the youth where you know because of guys like odd future who say hey we're rappers but then here's like our other band it's like a hardcore band yeah and like the kids will be into both of it and that doesn't it's not different to them yeah it's just an it's just music and they don't really think about it. And then they'll yeah. go, like, you know, dance to dubstep. Like, it doesn't make a difference. It's uh, it's, it's not my America. <laughs> uh, Put on that patriotic song that you guys wrote and performed yeah. together. Uh, no, so let's, uh, let's take a break with a song. Um, man, some of these they have the worst sound quality. Uh, but uh, None of these should be played on a... <laughs> I know, I know. You just talked about how... Everyone was terrible before they were 30. So here's a bunch of stuff. <laughs> here's a bunch of examples of that. 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I want to play uh I'll just play a quarterhead song. How about that, huh? I'll play the shortest one. I feel like 
Dead. Yeah. That was our band Quarterhead, which uh, you guys started when I had already moved away from Hawaii before I came back. Uh, I was away for a bit. You guys started the band. Yeah. And uh, me and Bobby and Arn in Arn's bedroom. Yeah, with Dave Hewlett. Yeah. And he, then uh, he we left. We tried a lot of different vocalists. That was Aaron. Bowles, Aaron Bowles, who was in a bunch of hardcore bands beforehand. Uh, yeah, I was in a band with him called God Goddard Dictator. Yeah. Man. And then, but he, it's funny because he just had like the thing where I was like, that dude could probably be in like a, a rock real band. Real weirdo. And be, and like, I don't know, he brought a cool, he did, a cool vibe and energy. Yeah. He was, was he a, your guy's ages? No, he's he was like, like in the generation a little bit above us. A little bit. He's no, I mean he, he was, was in, he, he was, was already a, in bands by the time we started going to show. Well, he was a senior when I was a freshman in high yeah, school. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Or maybe no, maybe he's even older than that. You're saying he's early twenties ish. No, no, he's, no, 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 he's he was, super smart. He works for Hewlett Packard. Hewlett Packard or something. Yeah, he's nice. like an engineer. Yeah. Not but, uh, feeling the band then. <laughs> <laughs> no. He has a kid. Is married to. You met him. He was at the wedding. Yeah. Oh, he, the, the yeah. They were the kid. couple that had the one kid yeah, at yeah, Chona's yeah. wedding. Yeah, wedding. Yeah, yeah. That was him. Only one kid allowed. Um, Your kid couldn't go. Look at that. How do you feel about that? <laughs> well, he saved on the band, flight. He didn't have to Band kids. Band kids for the. But Marshall is cool. Um, Marshall's cool. We ended cool up. You know, we like you know. Wedding, Lance paid us back by letting us babysit him while we went to the Tower of London. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my favorite part about that time where like it's, it's uh Marshall's like just talking about video games. He's like thirteen, right? Just about to turn thirteen in about a week. Yeah, so he's twelve at the time. Yeah, uh, or even eleven, almost. I think almost twelve, I guess. And then like he was just uh, talking to Deanna about video games, and then about an hour into it, steps and like, and he goes, "Wait, do you even play video games?" <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like a real cool kid. I mean, you gotta understand. His parents are Lance Bangs and Corin Tucker. Like yeah. it's like he's like he's bred from you know he's a cool kid. Do you ever worry that he's going to be the exact opposite of you guys? Yeah, but I'm open to that. Like, yeah. he can be whatever. That he's going to be a total. Stop being square. so cool about it, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> like that. I mean, stop being so accepting. Yeah, that's. I don't know. No, I I just want to see him him play like junior varsity football and Lance on the sidelines with 15 cameras. Do <laughs> uh, you want to see your touchdown in you Matrix have, style? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bullet time? Uh, yeah, he's uh, this is how this is how cool he is. That like uh, he was up in a uh, we were up in San Francisco for Sketchfest and um, like I see that Lance's daughter is there and then uh, I was like, oh, is Marshall there? Yeah, yeah, he's in the bathroom and then Marshall comes out I was like, hey man! Like, and then he's like, Oh hey, dude! And I was like, "It's, 
it's it's me. <laughs> like I got so offended that he didn't like know my name or recognize me or yep. or if he did, he didn't act like like he was cool about it. And I would be like, the fucking Tower of London. It was a transformative experience for probably just me now. It was my honeymoon. Yeah, it was my honeymoon. Was... You're the only kid that came on my honeymoon. Yeah, <laughs> that should stick out. <laughs> but yeah, he's a he's a real cool kid. What kind of music does he listen to? He's kind of transitioning. He was going through a lot of electronic dance music stuff when he was like 11, 12. Yeah. And uh, I think they pick up a lot of stuff from YouTube, almost from even short, funny videos. That yeah. Whatever's kind of soundtracking those compilations of people falling down or yeah, or whatever. It's oh, weird yeah. how YouTube is just a music site. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, and Vivo is the only one that really capitalized off of it. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. Like They're like, well, we'll yeah. just be the ones that put up all the music videos. And yeah. I was like, okay, whatever. And yeah. now they just have billions of dollars. So he <laughs> went through, like, kind of at the time that Skrillex was first happening, he was, like, following that and Knife Party and all these yeah. electronic dance music things. And then uh, Burial, he's gotten into that lately. That's cool. Um, What's Burial? Burial's definitely great, interesting, uh, more bummed out or doomed up. <laughs> it's kind of like more layered uh working within electronic dance music not not dance as much but just uh it's got more atmosphere. yeah it's got more atmosphere oh, to okay it. but you I, you would you should check it out and give it a chance yeah yeah no i definitely do you know what's a sound guy on the meltdown show monty buckles yeah uh, he gave me his record oh um, yeah the lamps yeah yeah oh man that's your sound guy. That's our sound guy. Yeah, I yeah. fucking love the Lamb. Yeah, yeah, that it's, band is so good. It's crazy because he's like, he's like, oh, you're into music, huh? And I always thought this guy hated me. No, <laughs> everybody, everybody thinks that about. Yeah, Mike. yeah, yeah. Just real. He does hate a lot. He has a real him. Donald vibe to him, and um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, but uh, then like he gives me the record. I was like, oh, cool, time. check it out, man. And then we're hanging out on Friday. Like D and I were just hanging out. And I pop it on. And I was like, oh shit, this is like legit good. Yeah. I was so worried I was gonna have to be like, yeah, it's really good stuff. No, they're a great punk band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's real good. But that's it's neat. That's a like I was just like one of those like kind of like I felt like real cheesy. I was like, hey, you know, another cool person working on the show. <laughs> Everyone's got their own thing going on. Got Aubrey shooting. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. Sax. A lot of good people running around. Yeah, that's a good fucking show. Yeah, it is. Good, good crowd. Good crowd. Um, yeah, but, uh, and I, w- I will say this: I, one thing I've noticed from just being around it is the, your crowd, that meltdown crowd, loves coming to that show. Like yeah. it's yeah. not, it's not a normal TV taping thing. It's everybody that's been there for the last couple of years. That's yeah, they have a stake in it. They feel a yeah. little bit of you know, like it's like we we're partly responsible for this show getting <laughs> this thing, and and they are because they are lot, no fucking that, a they that are. audience is so smart and so ready to jump on board with all those comics. It's it's yeah. really great. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's, awesome. looking, it's feeling good more than anything, you know, which is good, which is good. You know, yeah. work on you work on so many things that you're just kind of like, well, you know, it's the best version of what we could have done, I guess. You know, <laughs> and then this one's just uh, even you know the the way the set was designed. I was oh, like, man. Oh, we'll see. And then when I saw it. I was like, Fuck! This so is so amazing. much better than I thought it was going to be. And then so oh, we'll see how the camera looks. And then like just the like the shots you're getting and like the I was just like, Fuck! And then I was like, Well, the editing it's going to be for minute for net. There's too much to put into one episode. And then like seeing the cuts, I'm like, Oh, it's just everything. <laughs> everything. And uh, what's the uh, that's the secret to success in Hollywood? That's lower true. Expectations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> fucking done me pretty good. Uh, what's the uh, what's the uh, story on uh, maybe getting a pavement song for the oh, show? Yeah. Did you check? Uh, no, so we're gonna try for unfair. Un- unfair, but uh, also Debbie was really into. Uh, and I know to guys like us, Sans Adam, 
cut your hair is like a fucking Beatles song. It's like, it's like, oh, really? You're going to use a Beatles song to open yeah. every show? But to Squares, it's going to be pretty cool. <laughs> it's going to be pretty fucking cool. Uh, and, you know, uh, I think either way. Because Unfair works, too, because it's a song about California. Yeah. Um, the great North and South. Yeah, yeah. Potential war. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> which is the second song they wrote about. The, there was also yeah. Two States. Yeah. Which is, uh, wait, what's the... The Zerka State, what, what's or was the song just called Two States? Two States, yeah. yeah. Ooh. Um, <laughs> there was a there was an artist that did uh, an art exhibit uh, that was all fake Civil War posters from the war between Northern California and Southern California. Yeah, it was really cool. Well, the, it can never happen mainly because of you know country reasons, but also just uh, the all the North has to do is go. Well, okay, we'll just stop the water right here, yeah. and then uh, yeah. you're dried out. Then you're done. You're fucking done. But what about our pretty people? They'll, they'll, we, they'll dry they up. Any. What are they going to do? You could, there's only so much Voss water. <laughs> there was a measure they got advanced within the past week about breaking it into like five distinct regions. Really? Yeah. And it's like not likely to you know go too far, but it's like being put forward in the legislature. Wow. That's crazy. What are the, like, well, I mean, it's, it's so different. Everywhere is so different. Everywhere, yeah. It's weird I watching mean, late night talk show hosts just say California and they just mean L.A. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But the San Francisco does the same thing. Like on their news, it was like California's number one. You know, yeah. yeah. Like, what else are they gonna? California is too long. It is <laughs> Cali, it but you can't say Cali as a fucking it, it's, adult. No, I'm saying California, like the like, oh, like, like, actual state, like, not yeah. the word. So you're yeah. saying it's not a, the state itself. The state itself is such. State it's such a decision. There's like too yeah. much. Too many big cities. Like, in one what state. does San Diego have to do with Lake Tahoe? It's like. Nothing. There's like nothing but it's California. Yeah. Same assholes probably. That's true. It's where they vacate, bro. <laughs> um now you did the uh, and we talked about it before, but you you did the uh, yeah, Slow Century. Yeah. Uh which was the pavement dock. And now you are getting ready to release your new dock, uh, which is Bread about Trail. Breadcrumb Trail yeah. about the band Slint. Yeah, Slint. Legendary so, band. Legendary. And also um Sort of the Louisville music culture that they emerged out of. There was a bunch of bands that they did in earlier iterations when they were 10 years old. They had a hardcore band called Languid and Flaccid that was playing the same kind of shows with like malignant growth and minor threat during the minor threat tours. Like, well, these kids, what, what was it about these guys that made them start so fucking like Donald and I started pretty young. We started at like 11, 12. Yeah, I don't know. Something like that. that. Yeah. Like. Okay, but we weren't playing <laughs> shows. We couldn't yeah. get our shit together. We just started. We, we were playing like Metallica covers. I mean, the first Adam show. Was there. You were 13. Yeah, Donald's the reason why, because uh, you wanted to start learning and uh, go back to, what is it, Rockworks? Yeah. And I was like, oh, if I'm going to start playing something again. I want to play guitar instead of bass. Yeah, no, it yeah. worked out perfectly that we all wanted to play yeah. the instruments that made You are the reason I'm playing guitar today. Yeah. I, you know, I want it. As weird as it's it. Sounds I wanted to play bass, yeah. <laughs> so it worked out well that you were like, I want to play guitar, and then you wanted to play drums. So I was drumming on my belly, and then a lot of room. Yeah, um, I don't but know. Anyway, we so were yeah, pretty I mean, young. Like, I guess, we but played... like, the thing is, like, they were ten. Yeah, they were ten, mm. and they were playing yeah. shows, and they were just another band playing shows. I'm sure there was like a, a, a kitsch value to it to people at the time. I think so. I think that you know, almost in the way that like Old Skull or things that kind of popped up and had. It's like, like, oh, look at the little yeah. guys jumping up and doing yeah. stuff. But they were doing more genuinely weird. Like, they weren't doing, like, blah, 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 we're being yeah. funny. You know, like, they were doing stuff that was genuinely <laughs> interesting and 
and had thought behind it and was going for something. Um, they were in a, a public school in Louisville. It was called the Brown School that despite, you know, it was like a, within like public school system, but they were like, well, this school, why don't we try busing in kids from all different parts of the city and sort of integrating it really well. And then, you know, shifting the emphasis to like nurturing the kids and letting them follow the direction of what they're curious or intrigued about intellectually or schoolwork wise, and then sort of like reinforcing and wow, that's doubling down on that. Yeah. And so it, it made the kids feel like they were separate or distinct from like what had felt like normal school before mm-hmm. getting put in the Brown school. It's located downtown. And um, so kids that were from the suburbs or different sides of the city, were all getting kind of brought in there to commingle and be around each other and, and have these like more supportive teachers behind everything. And so they and Will Oldham were all like classmates together, basically. Really? Yeah. I did not I know did that. Not so know from that like, you know, that age and then like uh, Will has some brothers. There's there's Ned Oldham, who's uh, slightly older than Will. Um, they just started. But Will's coming... like a million years old. <laughs> <laughs> and has been forever. So they, uh, they started these combinations of like bands and, you know, basement recording projects and, and had this ability to. to kind of stop and reject and reinvent themselves in some different combination every like 18 months or two years or so and really go off in a different direction. And then that would become a new form of music that people then caught up to a year or two later. So, you know, languid and flaccid from like early eighties when they were like 10 to 12. And again, like they're in the mix at the same shows at when they grow the minor thread <laughs> yeah, or playing whatever, wow. uh, end up like forming a band called Maurice. And when the misfits broke up, which they were all fans of and, you know, on, you know, buying those, cassettes and seven inches when that plan nine record thing was happening um when dancing was putting together the first you know version of samhain to follow misfits being broken up they got booked at age 14 to go open up the <laughs> tour so they have this band called maurice and they're like playing in detroit and all these gnarly places to like misfits fans at that you know the moment of, of that all happening and and being around for that and uh you know, none of them could drive. They were getting some weird older dude to kind of drive them around. Then they get back from that and then they start squirrel bait and are like, you know, there's almost like a bidding war between, you know, Bob Mould from Husker Du had Reflex Records and then Homestead that Gerard was signing bands to with a sort of like more East Coast answer junior Sonic Youth crowd of people like, now we found him for, you know, like this sort of like they're 14, 15 and and having that go on and, and then that's, you know, that's like David Grubbs and people that then splinter off to all kinds of other amazing, thoughtful forms of music from there. And this is all, you know, they would do this age 14 for a summer and then nah, I'm done with that. I'm yeah. hardcore is dumb and break up and like, let's invent something new and just uh, keep doing that throughout their their time together. And uh, and then, you know, the idea was that maybe Will Olden would be in Slint when they're first putting it together. And he, he figured out a few chords on guitar, but they were so much more beyond like, no, we're going to do this like six, eight. I'm arpeggiated, yeah. like whatever thing, like that he wasn't really like at that level musically. And so he just wanted to be part of like holding the drum kit still or whatever <laughs> involved in it. So their first show was at a, like a weird church ceremony that was like a speech about mysticism. And they somehow like talked people into like letting them perform and did this like incredibly blazing, loud, inappropriate yeah. set. Wow. This, like religious ceremony. And then, you know, from there, everyone's just like, oh, these are like the weird kids in town or they're crazy or whatever, like stigma starts building up around them. And then they start writing Squeeze and Spiderland from there. And then by the time, you know, they record that and then break up before it comes out and they're still like, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old. That's insane. Yeah. And what have they been doing since? Well, that was the the thing that was so striking was that 
I guess I heard a copy of Spiderland uh, at a place called Squash, Squash Pile that was an all-ages venue in North Carolina, in Asheville, and I went up there to go uh, perform a show in the spring of 91. And I think the people there just bought a copy because it was on Touch and Go and you know liked the Jesus Lily and everything else that was being put out at that time. And it's a very striking album cover. It's this like black and white photograph, you know, these four faces. And you can't quite tell if they're trying to be bemused or <laughs> like they're not trying to look tough or hard or staring off into the middle distance pretentiously like a YouTube mm-hmm. man yeah. photo. And yet it is this like black and white, you know, in a quarry kind of photo. Um, but they just look like kids who are not trying to be cool or tough or weird or artsy. They're just, you know, kind of half smiling or but there's something psychologically going on. You look at that guy in the middle and you don't know anyone's name. No one's like matched up to mm-hmm. like, this is the guitarist or whatever. And there just is some like quality of the guy that's looking straight at you as well. Yeah. And something's a little bit intriguing or mysterious about these people. There's very little information. There's no band name on the cover on the front. There's no album title. Um, and I think this is before people were using that as an aesthetic of kind of minimal information, but like this object just kind of was like compelling on its own. You flip it over and there's like six total songs. They've got these weird handwritten names on them. And at the bottom, it's got this invitation to like interested female vocalists, please write and then address. <laughs> wow. and it's like, God, what, what could this music possibly be like? And then you put it on and there's this balance of three songs on each side that have such a intense sense of creating their own world and not sounding like other music that was going on at the time that I was familiar with or aware of. And because some of it, much of it is like spoken rather than sung, it feels like a film or a series of short stories or something other than blues based derived four four rock yeah. kind of music. Um, and, and so you presume that like the way that most bands work, there's like a guy that's the singer guitarist that is pouring his emotions out through the thing. And then you start realizing the more you listen to it on headphones, that like there's two voices going on and that there isn't like a, like this drummer guy, Brit is actually the one, telling some of these stories or doing these vocals and that it's a combination of people and that you start like basically like started driving up from Athens, Georgia to Louisville. Cause I was, I was roaming around all over the South, just filming and, and sort of like meeting people and going to shows and um, just kind of exploring the whole region as much as I could. And would drive up to Louisville cause I was curious about it. And I had a feeling at the time that cities that I hated that were maybe more like railroad based, like Atlanta, Georgia, Phoenix, Arizona, um, different parts of Texas that weren't on an active river just had less of a cultural life or they're more into like stick rock bands like we're the hillbilly Frankensteins and we dress I up I want like... to fucking see that band <laughs> but like all that kind of like garbage like, uh, fire bad ass yeah. come on <laughs> and that uh, like the things that were less genuine to me were coming from those kind of railroad cities and then the cities that had like a body of river water passing through them had more going on culturally whether it's Athens wow, or Louisville, Kentucky, um, yeah. for whatever weird reason that just that adds something to the character of the people in the city. Um, and so it was this weird outpost where people were not trying to be as gnarly pig fuck. Here's a dead corpse on our record cover. Like <laughs> Chicago bands were trying to do maybe, but had a weird other note of sensitivity. Like there'd been bands coming out of Louisville from the Babylon dance band, like in the late seventies, early eighties that were like on the cover of the village voice. Hmm. Um, and like a pretty open like mix of, of out gay people and women involved in the music scene there that was atypical for what was going on maybe in the harsher Chicago, Minneapolis, yeah. reptile kind of world um, or touch and go even to some extent that it felt like this weird outpost of interesting characters similar to Athens, maybe um, 
So I drive up there and just try and find out like wait, who made this record or where are these people? What are they doing now? And it was like, oh, they broke up before it came out. Like, what are they, like what's the new band or what are they <laughs> doing? And uh, and then would start hearing the tales of like, oh, these three guys used to be in Squirrel Bay and before that they had a band called Maurice, but there's no records of it. But they here's a flyer from when they toured with Danzig and wow. and then just going back, you know, to like demos or cassette tapes of them like younger and younger and then hearing more and more stories and assuming it would all be like again the kind of typical front man guy with the guitar singing all the songs he wrote and then it's like no it's a mix like there is that in the band but there's also this the drummer was actually doing all these things and, and like oh you like that breeders record that you love that's him too under a fake name like that sound of the breeders pod it's so such an atmosphere to that record and the kind of weight of the drumming and the fact that it's like consistent and yet like slightly irregular feels like there's an anticipation or slight behind the beat type of presence to it. And then it comes in almost giving this weird sense of rolling dread Yeah, that um like that's all him under a fake name. And then like the next DP comes out, it's a different fake name. Like he just does not want to be known or caught or recognized. He's like hiding his tracks as he goes. And yet it's this like mysterious, compelling character. And then start hearing more and more insane stories about him from just other people running around the indie rock circuit. Like at that point I was kind of traveling and touring and shooting stuff with pavement. And then David Berman, who wasn't really performing out as the Silver Jews, but was like kind of hanging out or he was in Oxford, Mississippi for a while writing and went through Oxford and kind of met him at the Faulkner house. I think he was like happened to be hanging out there while we were visiting one day. And he was like, man, like you got to go check out. There's this guy in, in Kentucky that like, man, I, I've never met anyone that like unsettled me so much. or made me <laughs> doubt how, how wow. being a human being worked. Like just, wow. he, you know, like we were passing through town and I needed a place to crash and he said he was so nice. He was like, yeah, you can sleep. I got a room. You can like come stay at our place. And so I had my girlfriend with me at the time. And we like, you know, sure enough, like went to sleep in this guy's empty guest room with nothing in it. No bed. We just like put down a sleeping bag on the floor and it's really dark and it's kind of creepy there. And then like all these hardwood floors in the middle of the night, I start hearing the weirdest, <laughs> craziest sound just like going around our heads. It's like, like sound we wake up to that we're totally disoriented we don't know where we are we can't see it's pitch black it's this horrifying sound we think like something's in the room around us there's a poltergeist or we're fucking haunted going around and then like i you know i i'm like trying to figure out what's going on and and like i had a like a digital watch with like a glow you know you could push the button (laughs) yeah sort of like blue iridium whatever that it's called indiglow yeah (laughs) (laughs) and and i see brit and his eyes are wild and he's just riding around us on a bike and we're like, what the fuck? What the fuck, man? Like, we're <laughs> like, in the morning, we're trying to sleep. And he's just going around us on a bike saying, eh, but it's my room. It's my room. It's oh, my man. room. Oh, and we're like, God. we got to get the fuck out of here. And so we'd like just get our like, you know, <laughs> clothes on and like run out between his circular paths of the bike and get out the door. Oh, my God. And it's like, yeah. wow, like, what is this guy's deal or who is he? And then you would hear more and more stories about like, oh, he can hypnotize people with his eyes <laughs> or like he would hire a cable installer to come over every couple of days and pretend the cable wasn't working and just like fart at the guy. Or, oh like, my God. Like, <laughs> Damn. Great, like anecdotes that were like, and you couldn't tell if they were exaggerated or made up or sort of like yeah. Sasquatch type sighting things. Or but what. just like weird shit like that. Weird where, stuff like, like that yeah. where it's a combination of like, this guy's a genius or he's the most amazing musical talent, but he's like hiding it and, and covering his tracks as he goes. Or, or is he like, you know, kind of a dick or like what what is <laughs> yeah. this guy's like dynamic that's and, what uh, i always think about any kind of crazy artist type i was like is he just an asshole just testing people all yeah. the time like does he know? just kind of know how to steer or control or manipulate situations around himself to make them more heightened or more interesting yeah and create an impression yeah. so um <laughs> wanted to go kind of like find these people 
And I guess what had really happened was that, like, you know, they'd kind of splintered after the band broke up, and, and Britt stayed in Louisville. But they kind of splintered. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. David Paho had kind of left to go to art school in, in England and was kind of bouncing around there at different places. And um, Todd, who played bass, was like at a recording school in Indiana and then Virginia for a bit. So, um, but it was so frustrating that like they made this amazing album and then weren't available to tour or do live shows or do mm-hmm. an interview or do a photo shoot. There's just no information about this. Which at like, the time, the I mean, yeah. even to this day, it's the only way to really you have to get on the road. Yeah, like it's the only way to really get people to hear you. You, the, you know, even at this day of the internet, you can only do so much. Yeah, you have mm-hmm. to go out on the road. And this is all pre-internet, so for sure, yeah. Any time that you would hear from some fanzine writer or somebody that you're creating live tapes of you know, nation of Ulysses shows or whatever with that, like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Like one of the guys is doing this now. And then you would drive to a city thinking that like, Oh no, he's no longer playing with Royal trucks. Or, you know, like you could <laughs> <laughs> turn up these things that were kind of like misinformation or half yeah. or whatever, or other things that you would love the sound of. You would find out like, Oh, that's some of these guys under fake names or different names or pseudonyms or whatever. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that about, reason the breeders yeah. stuff at all yeah, I'm I a huge know. breeders yeah. fan and I didn't, yeah. didn't know that and that's part of like what what Nirvana were chasing when they got Albini to record in Utero 93 was that sound of like pod that sort of drum yeah. approach and you know and they would say the Pixies but what they primarily yeah. connected with was Kim Deal more than yeah. Blackest or what they were like after and what they you know and when they wanted the breeders to open their tours and everything at that time yeah, well, I mean, you know, the drums, the drum sound on in utero, one of the best. Yeah, like one of the best. Like that, left and leaving by the weaker Thens, I think, uh, is close to that. Uh, I think it's just that it's like, it's it feels when especially when you hear it in headphones, it just feels like there's a drum set in the room with yeah, you. For sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's incredible. You know, I want to I want to break and play a Slint song. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a long break. Uh, <laughs> whichever way you cut it, should we do? I'm like Breadcomb Trail or Good Morning Captain. What do you guys think? It's gonna be intense to come back to the show after Good Morning Captain. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's not an easy transition back into people. Yeah, I guess we room. could save it for the end, but it just like it's like it seems like people would who don't know Slint wouldn't mind at this point hearing them. Or we could just play something off a of pod. Yeah, let's do. That's yeah, just something. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's legal because it's in the conversation. Yeah, <laughs> That's how, and then like save one of the slint songs for the end when people have time. Yeah, I think uh, "Good Morning Captain" would is a very nice last song to play. Yeah, Donald, you, what's the what's the face? You don't think so? No, I, I, I nodded I yes. I'm sorry, you did not. Yes, yes. You were just looking at stuff. Oh, sorry. Yes. Okay. Uh, let's see. Pod. Oh, fuck, I'm so bad at uh, names of songs. Uh, what do you guys want to do? Um. What's that second one? Doe? Are you just being funny? or I just I was trying to do it like very subtly so that you wouldn't know that I didn't know what song. <laughs> one of the was. hardest times I ever laughed at a concert was some like a band started to play. They put down with their first song. I can't remember who it is, but some guy goes, uh, uh, <laughs> Track two, side one! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know song titles for... Yeah, Anything. I'm real bad at. I'm also real bad at lyrics. Yeah. I always have been. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what do you, Lance? Do you have a preference? I would say actually, like you know, track two is a song called "Doe." That's a short two minute song. That might be a good one to play. Perfect. Let's do it. This is "Doe" by the Breeders off the album Pod with the same drummer from Slint.
god, that's awesome. Hi, the breeders. Apple Pod. Like podcast pod? Yes. Oh, yes, like podcast pod. The fucking cheers on this thing go on way too fucking long. <laughs> it's starting to turn sarcastic. Yeah, exactly. You know what? That thing about that's what you know that Neil Mahoney soundboard is his art. Soundboard, soundboard is, his, is art. his art. Um. <laughs> Okay, so uh, where are we? Where are we? What are we doing here? What are we doing here? <laughs> um, did we do that? so? So then you said when we were when we were listening to the song, he this drummer he walked away before they even did uh, last, splash. last splash, but then he did the EP after. The EP was before. It was uh, called the Safari EP. It was after Pod before. Yes, splash. yeah, yeah. And he uh, once again fake name because yeah. the first fake name he used was uh, was a girl. Oh. Okay, <laughs> he, he used two different pseudonyms on those on those records. You have the same intonation, like when you want to say something that no one else should know. Maybe just a little lean in, maybe a little bit of a whisper tone on the voice. I'll tell you this, <laughs> yeah, something, some kind of physicality because you just have that same like Landsbang's like interesting story grin on your face, <laughs> no matter what. Um, but uh, but yeah, so then. They just kind of scattered and did whatever. Yeah, so the crazy thing was you would hear, like, again, like from people in other bands or people in pavement, whatever, would be like, ah, they're, they're like getting back together. They're going out to a cabin in the woods. The <laughs> idea is they're going to just go isolate themselves from the rest of the world and, and try and make a new record or try and write some new songs. And you'd get all excited and then you'd follow up and find out, like, how did, like how's it going? Is there anything recorded? Like, oh, no, they did two days and then, like, all uh, walked away again. And then. And now the, they were going to do it as Slint? Yeah, like there were times which is surprising because like, that's going off. Of, that's, yeah, they're breaking form by there sticking together. Times in the early '90s that they kind of secretly got together and tried it for a day or two, or got a part of a song done, and then would sort of, without ever letting the world know or releasing it, kind of disappear again. Apparently, that's what Jawbreaker has done the past like oh, 15 yeah? years. It's because uh, there's pictures of them like from a few years ago playing like in a studio, and like 
it got out and it's just like everyone's like oh shit they're making new songs or they getting back together like no they, they they tried it and they tried every few years they they really make an effort to do it again together and they just can't Wow. It's just like it's just not they can't yeah. handle each other. Nope. These guys are still assholes. I'm going home. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's something completely admirable about the ability to call it yourself and be like this isn't yeah. right or this combination of timings and chemistry isn't the right one and Yeah. Puts you four or five steps ahead of the Eagles. Well, yeah, the Eagles, <laughs> Eagles or it's just even like, you know, the fact that um that you know the Metallica guys like that's like there's two different factions and the only time they see each other is during rehearsal and on stage. Uh, like even like when there's interviews, it's it's either Lars by himself or it's James and Kirk. Yeah, it's like the only two types of interviews Metallica does now. And um, the Rolling Stones, you know, they don't see each other. Like Mick uh, and um, Keith, Keith, like don't even they don't talk at all. One it's of them, most... it's all done through assistance. And the only time they see each other is on stage. Wow, one Keith, of the most Keith depressing Becca. things I've ever seen was an interview when they did that that album stripped uh which was seven or eight years ago 12 years ago um <laughs> but they were doing they were interviewing charlie watts the drummer and he says he's kind of sitting there smoking and he just goes you know i'm not even in the rolling stones i just played drums for keith uh keith richards and mick, mick jagger and i was like dude you're 40 years into this band yeah you're in one of the biggest bands in the world but you still feel like that that's that's fucking horrible. Well, it's funny because it's uh, it reminds me of one of my favorite uh, uh, Far Side comics, which is like it's two it's two guys in a dungeon, uh, like they have huge beards and they have like these little etchings, you know, the one, two, three, four, five cross etchings. Yeah. of Every year they've been there, one guy has like like five more years than the other guy, and the other guy's screaming at him, saying, "Stop calling me the new guy." <laughs> <laughs> Because even just, you know, it's uh, like uh, apparently that's why Jason Newstead ended up leaving yeah. Metallica because he was like, he's like, hey, I'm on two of your biggest selling albums of all time. Stop treating me like a new kid that just started. And then he just left and then they flipped out. <laughs> in, a, in a very short period of time, too, he was like already like there longer than um Cliff. Cliff. Yeah. 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 Like well, Cliff Cl- yeah. Like, they made so much with Cliff that like. That's that's what's crazy. It's like it's like you you look at the yeah. the release dates of those first, you know, yeah, out like three albums, three to about eighty nine or no before eighty nine. That that was whatever. Eighty nine was eighty six. Uh, so it was like only like five six years. Yeah, just fucking those three albums blazed out. It's a bummer. Imagine how much how big <laughs> denim could have been so soon. <laughs> it is funny though to think. Every once in a while, I think about Cliff Burton. And how he, because he was a like the biggest Hesher of all of them. What was what would have his transition been into <laughs> the slick? Like, do you think he would have left by then or OD'd? Like, do you think that he would have made it? He because it was an accident how he died, but he yeah. was the like the craziest one. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I think about that. We're gonna probably, but he's the reason why I do my middle fingers like this. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. This. That's yeah, yeah. But he like I didn't someone Great say in an interview bit. he was doing that because of Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash uh, yeah. does his like that, that famous too. picture, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, but so, so yeah. Throughout the early nineties, like the you know, in addition to kind of getting together with themselves to try and work on material a couple of times, they also they were the first version of the Palace Brothers for that first record that came out. But that record came out without any names on it or anyone being acknowledged, and no photographs of who played on it in the first pressing. So yeah. that was a record that I loved and responded to and the sound of the drumming and the atmosphere and presence on the song writing in particular felt 
really great. And then you turn out like, oh, that's everybody in Slint. And they were playing, sometimes they shifted instruments. So like, you know, maybe Brian would be drumming and Britt would be playing. Chinese fire drum. Um, And Hmm. so, but you would, you know, you would feel something that was a similar weight in the room or energy of it that, um, that kind of stood out from everything else at the time. Uh, And so that, you know, that early Will Oldham Palace Brothers stuff was, was a lot of combinations of those guys as well. And Will Oldham uh, still to this day doing a, like a very similar thing that they were doing, which is, yeah. you know, that Nate, like, you know, it's, he's never, he changes never his name. It's really easy for people to kind of casually keep track of everything. Yeah, exactly. Cause it's like, if you keep on going back to the Bonnie Prince Billy section, you're only going to find the out, yeah. like, you know, like, but that, oh, fuck, man. The sound of that uh, master and everyone else is that the body yeah, Pressville? Yeah. master and everyone. That first track is the probably the w- warmest sound I've ever heard on a record. Yeah, and like he could, he's barely playing the guitar and he's barely singing, yet it's so full and warm. And I know that's a lot like due to you know the recording, which is just a beautiful recording. But just I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, I'm feeling this like inside my chest. This is insane. <laughs> And such a sad, sad, like a beautiful, like yeah, great, great song. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, and like you, I don't want like you to reveal any of the twists and turns and the 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 doc, but like, uh, do you want to? I mean, do you think it works audio wise if we played the audio like a like a radio commercial for the audience? Would they would that be worth it, or is it from the trailer? Wait, from, from, oh, the trailer? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think that would work. Yeah. You think so? Because they do that on, you know, I hear trailers on the radio and it doesn't seem, I don't, you know, should we try yeah. it? Yeah. So for everyone listening, this isn't cut as an audio piece to be heard as an audio piece. There's visuals that go along with it. <laughs> I think it's going to work regardless. Um, Is the trailer on YouTube? Yeah. Yeah, Just yeah we'll link it. to that. We will link to that. Breadcrumb trailer. Did you ever say that? Did you ever have I fun not, saying that? No. I have a blast <laughs> saying that all the time. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime. At lunch, anytime. I've got to go to lunch with you more often. That's that's uh, delightful. That's food puns during lunch. I yeah, love that. Yeah. All right, so do you want the Vimeo one or the uh, YouTube one? Uh, YouTube one's fine. Okay, yeah. At some point, as... Um kid i was just bored of rock and right after that is when i met brian brit had been there from the beginning and i recall kind of gradually sort of gaining access to like this group of people that seemed to be thinking interesting stuff you'd see brit and brian and they were just like little kids standing around with terrifying giant skinheads and weird dudes in dresses it was fucking heaven slint were a unique band like they were teenagers they were kids they thought about music differently than other people did certain bands make you feel like there are more options i really couldn't believe that there would be people who weren't much older than me that were able to do music like that slint was just operating at a different wavelength and they really sounded like four musicians playing in a room with real sensitivity to one another you know i think they were just people that were emotionally rewarded early on for doing what they liked i think that changes your brain they weren't just crazy. They were kids, but they were really crazy because it turned out, as I was to find out later on, the people in Louisville are just fucking crazy, right? They're just insane. I mean, we were all in, we were all kind of out of our minds or something. You know what I mean? You know, all of these slint songs began down there under the floor. 
just watched it year after year. They were planning something. You could see it in Britt's head. He'd sit and play guitar and come up with these riffs, and you're like, what the fuck is that? Man, I would go on for hours, which is kind of crazy. I remember pretty quickly finding out that, that this is the greatest record ever, and instantly had a, a mystique to it because it was like, yep, they don't exist anymore and nobody knows why. I see all their heads popping up out of the water and I think, oh my God, another Slint record, amazing. Hey, so... So that yeah, that's the trailer for Breadcrumb Trail, and you can see the visual version on either YouTube or Vimeo. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they you know throughout the rest of the '90s, Brian McMahon formed a band called the Four Carnation. And at different times, David Paho or Britt would play on some of those recordings. But again, they wouldn't do the entire album. They'd sort of come and go, and Tim Deal did some you know pieces with them as well. But it was something that like Brian was kind of steering and, and putting together that was really great for a couple of records that that you can uh, track down now. Yeah. Um, Dave Paho recorded all kinds of stuff with the name M, Ariel M, Papa M. He toured and played with uh, Tortoise, with Royal Trucks a little bit, with Stereo Lab, um, Bonnie Prince Billy. He would go like tour with Will Oldham and do yeah. shows like that. And then in more recent years, he um, he's been playing with the Yeah Yeahs and sort of touring as an additional bassist or oh, guitarist wow. on a lot of their stuff recently. So this is uh, your second full-length doc done a couple I, it's it depends on like what you count or whatever there's a pavement one called the slow century that's like a 90 minute you know feature-length documentary it's great it's um, great let america laugh the david cross tour film that's is right another, that like feature-length one that yeah and then the mark maron comedy special thinky pains like 93 minutes or so so that's true but that's a that's a comedy special yeah you also have nick thune's special that's out right now right? oh yeah that one just came out recently that's on netflix it's called hard Pantera. to keep up with you yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Did Rob Delaney's live Rob the Bowery Delaney's, Ballroom? Uh, there's a John Hodgman one called Ragnarok. There's one that I directed um, that's coming out in March that uh, Louis C.K. produced. It's a uh, Todd Berry doing crowd work for an entire tour of the West Coast. That's oh, right. the crowd work oh, tour. Nice. And that'll be on Louis C.K.'s website. You know, the same sort of way that he's been releasing content for five dollars. You know, he's going to do the same thing for this um, comedy special that we did with Todd Berry, just traveling all up and down the West Coast doing crowd work. I saw him do a crowd work show at the JFL 42 Comedy Festival in Toronto and it was uh it's it's the it's the weirdest feeling it's just like he's not he's not your normal crowd work comedian I but would it's think. like you always think it's just going to he's going to run into a wall you think he's going <laughs> to like just kind of like get stuck and have to figure out a way to get out of it or restart and just for some reason the entire show was just hilarious. Yeah, he's so intellectually nimble and able to kind of read people and bring them to his own pace and control that it doesn't, whatever they might do that might feel disruptive or like the heckling energy, like he just sort of, all right, come on. Yeah. And sort of <laughs> right. steers him through That's what he wants to do yeah. uh, to make it funny and extract information out of them in a, in a funny way. Yeah, how many times did he bring up knowing Yola Tengo? <laughs> <laughs> I saw him do crowd work that i still remember when him and a uh, david cross did a tinkle in seattle oh, a wow. long time ago and he shot some kid said something and he like ended up saying 
like oh yeah whatever your band like scrabble farm or something like that just like <laughs> i still remember that because it was just like so on point as a retort to like a heckle yeah but your band scrabble farm <laughs> yeah. okay. and he like flat out was like yeah don't go start that actual band like <laughs> <laughs> like just was like so that dude i don't doubt that he can was that at the yeah. showbox in Seattle? Yeah, I was filming that show. Oh, yeah, we um, <laughs> 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 name a show, Donald. <laughs> yeah. Name we, that's like a ever. great unreleased thing that that should come out at some point, just because enough time has passed. Yeah, there's it was so many new going pornographers was playing in between comedians. Yeah. It was fucking new pornographers oh, wow. performed. Um, David Cross, Fred Armisen. Yeah, Fred John Armisen Benjamin. did that thing where he was Saddam Hussein yep. with like a oh, I remember that bit. and a guitar and stuff. No, yeah. that was, so he's just playing it as like a Beatle. Yeah. 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 There's a great series of shows. And then I feel like, so they've been doing Tinkle in New York, which is John Benjamin, David Cross, and Todd Berry doing a comedy show for a while together in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And right as they're getting ready to do that particular series of benefit performances in Seattle that we were filming for Sub Pop, um, they hadn't really had time to get together and rehearse. And then I think that there was within the factions of the three of them, like, frustration that like you never showed up for rehearsal you know they, they, they didn't feel like they were at their best form yeah. when they did but it's great like it's funny and yeah it was really good other than being in their sort of internal dynamic i think any objective person would laugh and enjoy and you know yeah um but we just at the time kind of like put it aside because they felt like ah oh, it wasn't as you know yeah the perfect that, yeah yeah um but there's a great moment in that that crowd work thing but basically there's a bit where todd berry goes out into the crowd we've got a camera operator walking along with him with a light as he we were treating it like it's a satellite transmission. So like John Benjamin, David Cross are on stage with microphones, looking at a monitor as Todd's out talking to people at tables. And he ends up talking to um, a young woman that he's, you know, this kind of cute mm-hmm. woman with short hair. And, and then she's like, don't you remember me? And, and he's like, what, what? Like, did I hit on you? She's like, yeah, you're trying to pick me up. And, my, and then you're trying to hit on my mom. You can see him realize like, oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it's the greatest thing that's ever happened in, in the world to both David Cross and Todd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, how has this not happened sooner? How has this not like, uh, happened like one in four? <laughs> like, that's incredible. That's fucking incredible. Um, so that, that bit hopefully can can come out in some form at some point yeah it seems like it should belong yeah why was that never released again they just sort of within the three of them they felt like oh it wasn't yeah like we didn't really get everything rehearsed like we wanted and um there were some things where they kind of like had dancers come out on stage and they played dance music that we didn't have the rights to there's like minor things that kind of kept it from yeah yeah it's uh it's funny because uh my friend sean o'connor who uh it's like because like when i think of todd bear i think about me and Sean O'Connor seven years ago went on a tour called Stillborn in the USA. And uh, it was me, Sean O'Connor, um, Nick Maritato, and Andrew Wright. And it was like an ill conceived. I had a web series on Super Deluxe and I thought I was uh, going to quit be to, bragging. I thought I was, I thought I was going to be able to like pull people uh, <laughs> yeah. as a comedian. And then I, uh, we went and booked like, you know, like these small like rock venues up and down the East Coast. And it was just one disaster after the next, and um, and like even like Todd is like, you going on a tour? Who's gonna go? I don't know. I'll tell you who. Nobody. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know who's on the show? Nobody. <laughs> and it was uh, it was just a yeah one thing. Like you know we like one car like sucked up we were trying to leave new york and the car sucked up some industrial plastic and cracked the axle uh <laughs> and then like we like ran to penn station caught a train and 
and you know Nick like lied to his grandparents about borrowing their Volvo. We borrowed it to like take it down. We got a flat tire immediately. Didn't have money to get it fixed. Like had like it's almost like for, God was telling you to yeah to not give to, up comedy. Give up comedy. And it's you know and then we ended up like everyone was fighting with each other. I was making Sean cry just because it made me feel better. My <laughs> my relationship back home was falling apart. Sean was an alcoholic and kept on blacking out and like doing crazy shit. But and uh, and he's a better person to make him to cry. Were you it. like just pushing his buttons? Yeah, or, yeah, 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 yeah. Just like because uh, he would do stuff like he would be like, it's like I'm single and ready to fingle. I'm like, are you are you single because you say that stuff? Like just like I'd just be shitty to him. Because uh, I was miserable, and, uh, and the other guys were like hated us, and we hated them, and and then I I got two other comedians, two other comedians, Nick Maritato, who is still kind of like he's like he was like the funniest one out of all of us, but he was underage, and he was just this guy who was just this fucking Jersey Italian kid that just would just fly off the handle. We actually have like uh, I have audio in some video. There's a guy that like from Superlux that filmed some of it of us and like interviewed us and we're all like clearly like masking how much we hate each other. Yeah. And like, it's like, and like, there's like one of us, like when we had the flat tire and this guy's like, we don't have a fucking enough money to get anywhere. We don't have any, like, it's like, we're just, it was the most miserable experience. And he's still just kind of doing, you know, mics around New York. Sean is sober. Now I got out of that relationship and I'm married. And then Andrew Wright quit comedy and is now getting his mathematics degree wow. in, in uh, Atlanta. And so it's funny because like he like like Sean Coast. like uh, Sean has this idea of doing like a seven up series where he's like it's been seven years <laughs> we'll do the tour again <laughs> the the four of us it's so funny because Andrew doesn't do comedy <laughs> and people might actually come because of you and me because now like you know me and Sean both have you know half hour specials and and uh, and he was like he's like we should do it again and just do all the same venues all the same shows and then talk about how much we hated each other and. And all that stuff, and uh, and I was like, yeah, but it's like, it's just gonna like, it, the same shit's gonna happen. Like we're just gonna get on each other's nerves, and we're gonna, and shit's gonna go wrong, and everyone's gonna be like, see, we shouldn't have done this, and Andrew's gonna be like, I shouldn't have come back, and then and Sean's like, I know, we'll submit it to festivals. <laughs> uh, but uh, but like he's like he's like, and we'll interview guys like uh, Todd Berry. Uh, like who like it's like what did you think when they did it and just get that stuff from him yeah. uh henry owings uh who like helped book some of the like, yeah. the southern shows how he just like was lying to us about how many people showed up just because he felt bad for us and gave us more money and, like just like it was just the fucking worst the highlight of that entire tour was one meeting hampton yount who's now one of my favorite comedians uh, one of the lowlights was saying, "Oh, your your girlfriend can't perform. Sorry, we're kind of full up." It was a Parna, Nanchanara, who is like a great comedian, and then uh, getting to hang out and eat barbecue with the drummer from Manor Astroman because we played at the Bottle Tree. Those were the highlights of that. And then, uh, but I think just because every time, like you know, watching music docs and like, comedy docs and stuff like that, and, like Sean's like, we should do a seven up every seven years. Just do that tour, no matter how much we all splinter off and i was like yeah it's a would you guys is that an interesting thing or is i that... i would i would watch that i would definitely yeah. help help shoot that yeah you want you know, another one on your belt 2004 is when the first one happened uh 2000 no 2007 so oh, it's okay. been it's seven years yeah. seven years yeah wow yeah maybe we'll make it a 10-year thing sort of what's wrong i can fucking fill a room <laughs> fuck no, you hey what i'll show all of you <laughs> yeah that's how we have to start the... it with the fucking blatant what are the venues let's talk about that uh bottle tree the Bottle Tree, The Earl, uh, The Little King. Those were the southern shows that Henry helped put together. Uh, our show in Virginia, we canceled because we couldn't make it. Uh, but how did you meet Hampton then? 
Uh, we oh, sorry, not Virginia. Um, what there was, uh, well, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. We and also the way we did the tour was the fucking is ridiculous. You know uh, where in Charlotte you were trying to play? Uh, I can't remember the name of the venue, like Red Thirteen or something like oh. that. Uh, I don't know. Um, or that or Black Cat was that? No, that was Arlington or DC. Uh, no milestone. What the milestone? No, no. Either way, we canceled it, and then Andy Blitz, who was in town, decided to just do a show that night anyway. <laughs> so Andy Blitz got to do a show. Um, and then we did like uh, Lehigh University and uh, Ithaca University. Oh and wow, Ithaca, and that was just shows that I got booked on okay. myself. And, Ithaca, <laughs> and then you showed up with three other comics. Yeah, I showed up with three other comics, and then like they thought they were going to get, we were going to split the money four ways, and that's where a lot of the uh, <laughs> anger started yeah. coming from. I was like, no, I'll just give you guys like fifty bucks each, but this is my gig. This is the money I need to yeah. buy a plane ticket home. Yeah, because I got a girlfriend. When we like, <laughs> I left for tour the day we moved into a place together. We moved into each other the day I left, uh, and um, and yeah, that was like. She even when we were like we like we ended up breaking like up like uh almost a year later, and but she was like she's like that you going on that tour was the reason that like I knew you would never change. Oh like, wow! That tour was the reason we broke up. Damn. Well, it doesn't sound like she holds a grudge at all though. Well, no. Now now it's fine, but oh. like it's and now it's great because I married Cash. To an awesome woman, to, to a, a better woman, fucking yep. best person yeah, in the world. Yeah, better woman. But uh, yeah, so like yeah, and like at Lehigh, we you know I went like there's some guys were like, hey, me and the brothers are having a party, and I was I was like, why are you calling each other brothers? Because I didn't go to college and like all that stuff was so weird to me. And he's like he's like, oh, we're at a frat. I was like, let's go to a frat party. And the guys who had been to college were just like, no, you don't go to those. <laughs> I was like, I want to see what life is about. And then uh, we went and they were playing beer pong. I had never seen that before, and. Um, and then the cops came, and I ran because I thought they were real cops. <laughs> and then I uh, ran into some kid's really dorm room where he was college. like, like him and some girl were like making out. And like I was like, "Don't worry, I'm the comic." Not clearly, they weren't at the show. <laughs> Don't, worry, Don't worry, I'm the comic. comic. Don't worry, I'm the comic. It's gonna. It's, that couple still talks oh, about that. Yeah, they always they'll always remember that guy will always remember the fucking six foot four cock block that <laughs> burst it into that fucking room. I know what the uh, next season's t shirts are gonna be. Don't worry, I'm, I'm the, the comic. comic. Uh, uh, I wanna play that uh the Bonnie Prince Billy song. Okay. Nice time to break for a little Damn. Song. Good everyone having a good time? Yeah. yeah. Right, good. Yes. I wanna hear some more Hawaii stories. Oh, yeah, yeah, we can <laughs> go back into, come on, internet, while we're waiting. Um, what do you want to know about Hawaii? So, which one of you left and visited the states for the larger? Well, we had the benefit of, like, I got into a lot of pretty much everything I'm still interested in, which is, like, punk and hardcore and like graffiti and rap music and pretty much anything that's cool like that i got introduced to this kid i met in school named adam stevens yeah and he basically like he had the benefit of an older brother who lived in, he's a tattoo artist in san francisco and so he would visit him and then like when i met him he was dressed like a gangster from like 
1990 in San Francisco, but he was a 10-year-old super skinny <laughs> white kid in Hawaii. He had like a, a brother that was like 15 years older than him that yeah, like, like, like would go to older, Japan and Tokyo yeah. and knew about fucking like Like he was he was born in Japan, like his his father is like forget what discipline it was, but he was into some sort of martial arts and like they lived in Japan, ended up moving to Hawaii and his older brother who was yeah, like 15 years older than him lived in San Francisco and so he was into this cool shit like he played me the first punk song i ever heard was uh you don't have something against me do you by black flag because he played it for me cuz he thought it was funny <laughs> cuz it's fun it still is funny like the intro to that song is ridiculous and he played me that but then it was like it was on the cd version that had the jealous again 12 inch on the damaged album and it just like floored me. And then that was like right around when like, you know, just alternative music and punk became more mainstream too. So like being teenagers in Hawaii became way easier. And then there was a great radio um, station called radio free Hawaii. Yeah. That had ballot boxes. So the radio station was programmed by the general population of Hawaii. Wow. And so you could sneak in, like, punk music if you just, like, you know, if there Filled just happened to be. Yeah. yeah, it was like that. And it was a combination of, like, just Green Day was popular yeah. in 1994 yeah. in Hawaii. Like, people that liked. Because it was the, the surfer contingency. Yeah. And so surf videos and skate videos. Yeah. Had, like, so you'd find surfer guys that, like, listened to punk because of, because that was what they heard. They heard, yeah. like, a Screeching Weasel song or a Black Flag yeah. song. I remember the, I remember skate videos being really instru- instrumental yeah, and that definitely. was the first place that I heard hip hop and punk yeah. and yeah, metal sure. and all that stuff all sort of on the same level because it was always the skater got to pick their part and you were always dealing with different yeah. types of skaters. Yeah, that was definitely yeah. the start of like like I definitely listened to all kinds of music and that's definitely the reason. Yeah. Like w- watching like 80s and 90s skate videos with that being like like 12 dudes that have nothing in common oh, other yeah. than skateboarding and then like all of their songs are like completely different i remember I, like, I just the other day i went back and i started i i had a memory of uh watching a rodney mullen video from plan b yeah where he skates to dream on by aerosmith there yeah you go. and rodney mullen always had great like he i remember one time he even had like a a poet he yeah. just had a recording of a poet while he was skating, and it, it's it's amazing. And I'm not a big Aerosmith fan, but that is like that's the best music video I've ever seen. <laughs> it's just him; he's just doing dark slides and crazy yeah. crazy flips and stuff like that. But it's all to dream on, and it oh man, that I I love that that it, it's it was amazing. Like it was yeah, the sheer weirdness of the stuff you would get. Yeah, yeah. it's odd though because you know Hawaii is a odd, you know, interesting place where. You know the kind of the there's the jock mentality is different there. There's not really jocks as people on the mainland know them. It's like surfers are kind of jocks. Like where you know surfers out here are subculture people. They're like surfers. Oh, like but like when everyone's a surfer in a place, that means they're the kind of the majority. Santa and, Cruz had had a little bit of a flavor like that, just because you there were so many that even yeah. even though they had jocks and they had you know the football team and all that sort of stuff 
there were still more surfers in your school because you it was that yeah. much easier. Yeah, and so it's funny because where I talk to kids that grew up in like you know Omaha and they go, yeah, I'm like I was into really good like you know like like you know like actual punk like Pennywise. I go, no, Pennywise was like jock punk. Yeah, like, that yeah. was like that was like punk for like you know yeah. bros. They go, no, no, it's what all the, like the misfit skater kids listen to, yeah. <laughs> and it's all just like very regional. Actually, you know, that's a very interest. That's a really good way to get in this thing that uh, Emily Gordon uh, just sent me. It's uh, this guy took RDO, Spotify, and iTunes streaming and downloads, and and uh, and zip codes, and just basically figured out the biggest bands and every state according wow. to wow. this crazy. style. So this isn't this is skewed. Uh, only because it like it takes its information not from people who are buying stuff in stores. I I don't think he used SoundScan, which is a way that you can find out how what what's but this selling is, in stores. This is more streaming options. Yeah, see, he says for this study, I sampled the listening preferences of about a quarter million listeners that have a zip code associated with their account. I aggregated these listeners into regions, state, regional, and all of U.S. To compare regions, I look at the top most popular artists in each region and look for artists that have substantial change in rank between the two regions. These are, these artists are the artists that define the taste for the region. Uh, and so uh, Washington, The Head and the Heart, which is a fairly new band off of Sub Pop that is kind of uh, doing that stuff that's getting a lot of airplay right now, the kind of folky, you know, the post... Hey! Yeah, the post-Decemberist <laughs> uh, suspender rock is what I'm calling it. Um, but Oregon, Kurt Vile. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Hmm. Um, California, Bonobo. Um, the... Get this, Idaho, Tegan and Sarah. Wow. Um, that makes sense. And then uh, Idaho? Uh, Montana's above, no. Montana is. Montana's above Wyoming, I believe. Montana, yeah, All Montana's on top. Geography. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really Jonah Ray. It's on the Canadian border. Idaho is just that's west Tim of McGraw, Montana. So that makes total sense. Yeah. Tim McGraw. And then is below Drake, that, New York? Wyoming? Um. Uh, Dr- uh, New York is. Uh, tiny, uh, map. tiny map. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kelly Rowland. Wow. Who the fuck is Kelly Rowland? What she's is like what a, is Hawaii? Like kind of a, Hawaii uh, is Jay like Boo. She's Beyonce's sister. Uh, uh, maybe she no, maybe she's one that, of the, the one Beyonce's of the, sister is not child. Yeah, that's. That's yeah, she's like that style, right. that pop kind of R and B. You guys whatever. are idiots. Yeah, you're the idiot. Jersey is oh, definitely not Beyonce. So Jersey is Bruce Springsteen. Going on Russia. really still? Yeah, <laughs> he got the head and the heart in Washington like... and Rhode Island, Nirvana, uh, Maine. I get that. Maine, yeah. REM. Wow, uh, I kind of get that too. Yeah, uh, Vermont, Fish, no yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. well, um, Phil, uh, Pennsylvania, Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Hey, wow. well, yeah. what state was that? Uh, that was uh, Pennsylvania. Rick Ross, Florida. I get that. Um, and then, like, yeah, just uh, some of these I never heard of. Well, uh, did they have one for Hawaii? Yeah, Jay Boog. The fuck? I don't know. I think Ooh. he's. I think he's like a uh, Alaska's Ginger Kwan. It's ukulele uh, player. It's probably some R and B reggae. Just, I think. Re- oh yeah, of course. What about what about Texas? <sighs> Texas is George Strait. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Does he, um, uh, wait, oh, Arizona. Arizona's Lincoln Park. Oh. Yeah, that just sounds about <laughs> yeah. right. That I get. That sounds totally right. Yeah. Um, Zonies. This podcast is being recorded in 2014. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nevada. Uh, Colorado is AWOL Nation. 
Is that hip hop? I'm I'm not familiar. It's the yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. The guy that sounds exactly like y'all. The singer from Batman. Uh, what? Oh, and uh, what's this one, Donald? The Shins. What's that guy? Is that a? Uh, is it uh, Kentucky or Missouri? Yeah, it's, I don't uh, know what's real. I don't know what state that is. That's embarrassing. Yeah, right there. Uh, Wait, how are these? Um, I could just look at the fucking legend being broken yeah. down. Like, why? I bet if you go to Spotify and see what most. But these are like the. These are the ranks for the people in those states. So, but, like, I bet if you go to Spotify, it's going to tell you that it's Katy Perry and Rian. Like, yeah. How is it not? Well, how is Tegan and Sarah? That, that, that's the thing is it is it well, requests because that's how you, how I do services. Pandora is like I like type in Rocket from the Crypt and it gives me Rocket from the Crypt and kind of yeah. so is it based on that request or is it based on like this is the one that we serve the most so this is what the guy says uh, the first artist Hillsong United uh, which is uh, ranked in Tennessee as 97 but ranked in New England as 1097. The first was Hillsong United is 97 the most popular artist in Tennessee for our sample of listeners. In New England, Hillsong United drops all the way down to 1,097th uh, artist. A drop in rank of 1,000. Hillsong United is a Christian rock worship band. Tennessee listeners li- living in the heart of the U.S. Bible Belt listen to Hillsong United much more than their New England counterparts. Second on the Tennessee list is Juicy J, a rapper, songwriter, and record producer from Memphis, Tennessee. Third is oh, Young Jeezy from nearby Atlanta, Georgia. The rest of the top ten is dominated by Southern rappers, country, and folk artists. It is interesting that it's not what you think, but maybe it's of all time. There's no way that that recent sub-pop band is the all-time for Washington. Washington State. Yeah. All right, well, maybe there's a... Maybe I should investigate this a little bit more before. <laughs> no, it's entertainment. I don't know if you know what entertainment is. It's counting <laughs> things, right? Yeah, that's what entertainment is. Less yeah. random lists. Yeah, <laughs> it Buzzfeed. is. It's Buzzfeed. I, I get most yeah. of my my entertainment from Buzzfeed. Yeah, exactly. They they just set up their new office across the street from where I work, and I kind of want to firebomb it just to see what the top five things about firebombing will be next week. <laughs> um. Now let's uh let's get let, take a break and listen to the way by Bonnie Prince Billy. Let's not do the, it. Not the most uh, uplifting song again, but like a fucking great song that. Guys, if you're gonna listen to this next song, get your heart rate up beforehand so you don't commit suicide. Yeah, but we got thirty seconds until it downloads because I'm not gonna fucking risk it doing it, uh, letting it buffer throughout the entire time. Let's see what Ruby has to say about it. Ruby, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, she looked interested. She. <laughs> you know like what we're doing? That I'll play uh. I'll play an old, uh, an old song. Old from, Nerdist uh, podcast? No. Oh. Uh, we'll play another. <laughs> uh, this is the hardcore band that Donald and I were in uh, called 36 Chambers. Yeah.
Uh, so that was, at first, it was uh, 36 Chambers with our song Shaolin Shaolin, and then uh, the song The Way by Bonnie Prince Billy, which we were trying to listen to earlier. 
Um, and uh, the thing about 36 Chambers, it was uh, Donald and I were in a band called The New Originals. Uh, and we, you know, we were originally the originals, but then there was a band from Upper Button that was called the <laughs> original. Like some like eighties new wave band. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it was just a reference. It was a reference to uh, Spinal, Spinal Tap. Tap. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we were in a band. It was uh, like Donald on distorted bass, me on drums, and uh, Raph was singing. And uh, it was just a power violence band, uh, pretty much. And uh, the, we made a cassette tape demo yeah. and then they said made by and then they put their thumbprints and there was no room for mine so i guess everyone thought it might have been a two-piece but uh it was a two-piece it was mainly me and you for a while yes and then we met raf yes and he sang and yeah 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 and then uh but then you guys didn't put my name on the demo tape it's fine oh. i don't i don't still think about Look it that. not at all <laughs> yeah. certainly I haven't see, brought uh, this story i actually am amazed <laughs> What was the Wu-Tang's impact on... So that band well, broke up, and then we uh, I went on to start a band called uh, uh, The Year Outs. Yeah. Um, which is... They were around the same time. They both broke up because Raph left, uh, which is a... That's the Hawaii band curse. Someone eventually is going to move away. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Donald and I... Yeah, I don't know. How, like, how did it all come together? Well, I... Basically, what happened was... We are hanging out with a bunch Jeremy, of these guys. Our friend Jeremy... Was a marine, mm-hmm. was also a punk, which is not something which is super rare. Yeah, it's they'll come it's, to punk well, shows, even, but only because they want rare, an excuse to fight. It's rare yeah. in the fact that, like, as opposed to him being a marine that listened to punk, mm-hmm. he was like actually like, I don't know, he had a similar. He's vibe down ethos like me and Jonah. Yeah. yeah, was CJ Ramon Marines or Navy when he left and joined the Ramones? Anyone? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it was Navy. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But it's a, it was definitely rare. But he went to Japan for a while. Like r- like we met him and was like, oh, this guy's pretty cool. And then he went to Japan for like nine months or something. Mm-hmm. And then when he came back, we were at a show and I was like, oh, we should start a hardcore band. Like you should just sing for a hardcore band. And then talk to our friend Raph. Another Raph, Raph Doggin, two, two and now lives in Portland. That's apparently weird. the name Raphael is very popular in Filipino culture, which I don't know why. It's <laughs> weird for the Ninja Turtle. Um, maybe could have been. My, our friend Raph Doggin, when he immigrated from the Philippines, he had the option to pick his his American name for a while. Like his mom was like, "Oh, maybe I'll let him." Pick his name, and he was gonna pick Ace Freely. <laughs> <laughs> so he would have been. He would have been like an eight or nine year old, one hundred percent Filipino kid in Hawaii, just named Ace Freely, which would have been fucking amazing. Um, Ace Freely Dongan. Yeah, but we. So yeah, I just right went up does. to him and was like, you know, we should start a band. That would be cool. Like, Raf uh, Dongan. He was. He's older than me and Jonah mm-hmm. by a few years, and Jeremy's a little older than me. And. uh but we were we just hanging out. Yeah, we all were just at a show, just being like, it would be cool to start a hardcore band. And then you did. And then, but we, we were, but, but like we before did, even got started, we, we were just like hanging out. Literally did like we then had band practice at Jonah's Garage the very next day, and while at that practice, wrote like four songs, and then uh-huh. realized there was a show happening in a couple hours, and we played that show. Holy shit! Awesome. Yeah. Like we wrote a set. And then went 
and played our first show within four hours. That's amazing. And the reason we were called 36 Chambers is because we were literally just coming up with names. And, and Raph was way into Kung yeah, Fu we, movies. Yeah, we were really into just watching like Kung Fu movies at the time. And then yeah, I was like jokingly like, oh, what about 36 Chambers? And then like. You know, oh. just put some X's around it because we were a straight edge band, <laughs> which is a great name. And, and it, and then it was, we it also, dawned on us after the fact where we're like, we're 36 chambers. Like, oh, like that Wu Tang album that just yeah. came out. Oh well, yeah, why? That's the only reference point that anyone else had. I do, mm-hmm. I do kind of, I do think there's nothing more punk rock than naming yourselves, uh, naming a hardcore band yeah. after a hip hop. <laughs> like, there's, they're just like, fuck you. Yeah, well, we, we don't care. I mean, we did like me and. Ra- the other Raph, Raph Taylor, like, w- you know, we did listen to hip hop and stuff. Like, we, mm-hmm. like, you know, around the same time went to like a hieroglyphic show you in Hawaii. A hieroglyphic show, an <laughs> alcoholic show. <laughs> and like, and that was not cool in the punk scene in Hawaii at no. all. Like, I specifically remember like getting dirty looks for being in like his car listening to like a hieroglyphics album and them just being like, I remember when I asked you guys cool. I was like how was that hip hop show and I remember your response was like it's like every guy had a backpack on yeah like, <laughs> <laughs> that was a super good show though yeah and we actually the first 36 chambers show was at the same, same club venue. that hieroglyphics yeah. played um, there you go which was pretty there was cool. a there was a funny thing about 36 chambers though like uh uh Jeremy the guy who was like the singer of uh of the uh, 36 Chambers There's a, a very insistent He had a Ruby. roommate That was also kind of a guy That was into hardcore And punk His yeah. name was Adam But he was a drummer And But like Like But I played drums That was my thing And so It was kind of an awkward thing Where we had the first practice And he was just kind of there And then we're like Should you be the Should we have two singers then Yeah And that was kind of the thing It's like So he kind of But he would always like Watch me play the drums He's like Why don't you try what if you tried doing this? <laughs> I'm like, get off my fucking case, man. I know how to play Iron Man by Black Sabbath. <laughs> uh, I remember that being pretty awkward. And then like he like he's yeah. like, well, let's use one of my cymbals because it's real loud. And then I cracked it. Ooh. Yeah. And then I was like hoping he wouldn't notice it. But then he did. Oh. <laughs> he asked for money. That was the worst ending. <laughs> it's the worst ending to a story we've had. Yeah, I know. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so it was... Uh, it was fun. It was fun being in bands and Oh, I'll get it. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was a good time. It was a good time. It got real for me though, personally, like I started getting like way like I you know, I was always into comedy, but I was like getting way into like I was getting into a silly mood in my life. And on like everyone in this band who were like silly guys hanging out were very serious about the politics and the ethos and the ethics of uh of straight edge and, and uh and animal rights and not that I didn't agree. I just was like, kind of like, hey, let's have fun. Let's uh, yeah. let's not put mangled corpse pictures of mangled corpses of dogs on the stage, because uh, let's just like let's just play music. Uh, and and uh, and there was a there was a bit of tension at times because I you know like I was just but I was fifteen. I was younger than everybody. Yeah, I was yeah. like the youngest guy. Well, it was mainly. Raph started getting way, way more into us being like a serious political mm-hmm. thing, and then Jonah being Jonah being into comedy, <laughs> and I was in the middle, and I actually had the longest phone conversation of my entire life with Raph about not breaking up over the fact that like Jonah's 
into comedy and not politics <laughs> and that you're like it's like the that's, reason that's when st- you're the glue of yeah, the band yeah yes. it was like i mean i started that band yeah like yeah. by just being like hey let's start this band and then it was just the thing like we also hit the nail on the head as far as being popular in the hawaii punk scene because mm-hmm. all we did which is what every band did then which was you made up like eight to ten songs and then those are the only songs you played and you played like four shows a month wow yeah and we so did that for get, nine they, months straight yeah and then we, like, we got up. booked on a bunch of shows because we also had like a we had like a lot of friends that we just like you know where we had a, like a nice little group of friends so all of our friends would come out to the sh- every show yeah. just because it was a hangout. That's how we hung out. Yeah. And then they would all just go and dance and goof off with us. And so other people – so, like, we yeah. got a lot of steam real fast that way. It's the uh, – that's that, why bringer shows work in concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah So, exactly. it, like, we became noticeable. And because, like, people like Raph and this other guy that was in the band, Josh, mm-hmm. they were older and they had been in a bunch of other bands. So people were paying attention to us more than if we had just been, like, me and Jonah. And, like, we were kind of the new guard. Yeah. And so we got, like, old guy approval. We got really noticed because we just played every show we could and we played the same songs over and over again so mm-hmm. people knew them already mm-hmm. um and so raf started seeing that as like well we should be more serious and we should like talk about you know animal rights and all this stuff and like being really about all that and then jonah's like yeah, i had to adverse... like play drums and like yeah. goof off yeah, yeah and, then... and like i i mean as si- and the also the weird thing was that we all had a sense of humor too. Like it, that was the weird thing of like trying to be more serious was like, but we're also called 36 chambers. Yeah. And that's a joke. Yeah. And we're also like, I don't know. It was, yeah, I didn't like the idea that like, yeah, we'd, we'd be having a, having a laugh off stage and then get on stage and have to put on these serious faces. Yeah. And that's like, you know, that's why I like the band we did after it so much, a quarter head. Cause it was just like, like, it's like we were we were doing an act on the stage, but it was like yeah. it was really funny to us. Yeah, it was really fun to play these like well, like real thing, snobby rock and roll guys. That was know? the thing that I don't know how we developed the fact that we would start jokes for just us, mm-hmm. and our presentation to the rest of the scene was to never tell anyone we were joking. <laughs> like we just did stuff like the first Quarterhead show we played. We all were wearing wigs that l- didn't look like wigs. Like they looked <laughs> yeah. like our hair. Like I found, I managed to find a wig that looked almost exactly like just the short hair. It I was had real at weird. The time. It was real weird. No, like, it just tell. it looked like my hair. So like yeah. at a show, like we're all like everyone else's wigs kind of look like wigs, but like mine looked pretty real. And like we were just all wearing wigs at our first show. For no reason other than we found these wigs, and so we're going to wear them. Yeah. Or we'll wear the iHeart Magnum PI hats. Yeah. And then we just, like, played that (laughs) show, and then, like, while I was getting off stage, like, took that wig off to, like, be like, oh, what the fuck? Like, why was that guy wearing a wig? I I love that subtle subtle (laughs) fucking with people. So, like, like, we just did that for every band, and I actually think that's super funny, but I kind of regret every band we did as far as like being an in joke we alienated a lot of other kids in the punk scene mm-hmm. 
and they started to resent us like as as all the older dudes started getting out of it we started becoming the older dudes yeah and people and had the younger grudges. people seeing a bunch of bands that were just jokes or like one-offs like that's not a way to like foster a punk scene yeah because it's not inspiring people to it's like, like it's like oh they can just make band. a band and play yeah. a show that we've been dying to try and get yeah. on yeah yeah like we like scared of chaka played a show in hawaii and <laughs> oh, we right. got to open that's right with Ovid. our band called Ovid, which is devo spelled backwards <laughs> that's all it was <laughs> and we had songs about walmart yeah and it was just a total like we were just yeah. goofing off and it was yeah, like i could see how people would take that and like yeah. we got to play just because our friend dave booked that show well, but you guys were also and our original, a band that our, was Well, our working. original plan, though, was to just cover as many Scared of Chaka songs as we could. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But all we really ended up doing, like, and we then we And we, like, couldn't, but then Jonah just, like, played one of their drum beats, and we wrote a song around that. Yeah. Oh, and then cool. when we yeah. played that show, like, later their drummer came up to Jonah and was like, did you cover one of our songs? And oh. we're like, no. But that was just, we that just, just kind of took a drum, beat. drum He's beat. like, oh, so, yeah, yeah, because it sounded like this song. I was like, I don't know song titles. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just like just doing that kind of stuff like it was super fun at the time but i definitely regret not giving kids like something that was like yeah more but you, you can't you can't put too too much pressure on your your young idiot but self. it is hawaii and it did actually have an effect like yeah. the last time one of the last times i went back to hawaii i set up a show for a band and all the older people that were around that came out for that, I was like, where the fuck is the punk scene here? Mm-hmm. Like, there just wasn't one. And it, like, got replaced by, like, DJ culture and, like, mm-hmm. trying to just, like, drink and stuff. And I'm just like, but, no, seriously, like, where are the, where are the where bands are the going? And there are bands now, mm-hmm. that, like, kind of, like, f- like, came back around since. But it's just, it's really weird, like how punk bands like come in and out of fashion in a uh-huh. small way. Well, yeah. And it's just like, I don't know. Well, do people, as they hit their early twenties, if they are ever going to leave, yeah. and go to the mainland, is that the time that they do it? Or yeah, absolutely. Okay? Yeah. yeah. Like it's, uh, you... it's getting out of high school. It's a uh, getting out of high school, getting out of college, getting out of the military. Those are the times where if you're in Hawaii, that's if you're going to leave, you're going to leave then. And if you don't, because some guys will go to college and then they'll just come back. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, the, you know, Hawaii is an odd place. that's kind of hard to get out of sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I moved out of Hawaii twice before it stuck. Like I moved to North Carolina twice. And like moved back, and I just wasn't ready. And like between yeah. those times, Tough. like started other bands, and just kind of like fell into that routine. And I easily could have just been like, "Oh, this is cool," and like just the punk rock still guy. be yeah. in Hawaii. Like I don't know. And it kind of seemed like it had a charm. Like as someone there, like you could start like creating a pipeline of like Japanese bands. Mm-hmm. And, like, bringing bands. And, like, people eventually started, like, there was No Suck Fest, which was started by our friend Aaron's girlfriend's sister, Dana Peressa, who's, like, a really talented artist and stuff. And, like, her and her boyfriend started No Suck Fest, and they mm-hmm. started bringing mainland bands. And it was this great thing. 
She now moved to Portland. So it's like yeah. people that are that awesome and are great for like the Hawaii punk scene. Yeah, they get out of it. Like they're out. too awesome for Hawaii. So they're right. going to move yeah. to fucking Portland. And like she could just pretend like she's queen shit of Hawaii for the rest of her life. Yeah. But people that do cool things like that. They want to go. They and want do to more. go. Yeah. Do It's like, you. I don't know. It's like. The double-edged sword of, like, do you be stay the hometown hero in your hometown? Yeah. Or do you go out and, and like, yeah. accomplish shit for yourself? And, do I mean, and especially with, with music and punk rock music in, in yeah. general, it's always about, like, I want to get the fuck out of this town. Yeah. Um, and if yeah, that's I mean, the thing I you're building up to, and then you're... Couldn't wait to get out of Hawaii, but, like I said, I had to move back twice yeah. for yeah. some reason. That's <laughs> like, why I, th- I thought it was so funny when in that last episode... Or Jag was like, we got to go back. Yeah, we got to go back to the island. I was like, oh, that's hitting me on another level. That's like, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> it's. I mean, because it's me twice. It is not like the rest of America. Yeah. So much like it's a it's a foreign country. Like other states, like act like oh well, it's different down here. But Hawaii is way crazier than like yeah. if you're just from like Idaho and you move to Seattle or something. Well, I try to tell people, you know, if they're from a small town. They have the ability to drive to a place or they have the yeah, ability yeah. for people to drive through or like yeah. you were saying, the difference between the river towns and the train towns. It's like there's you know something about the accessibility or where people want to go through or stick around. And in Hawaii, it's like you didn't have that like, let's drive to like, yeah. Denver you know it's or it's like it's like, hey, let's get out of this hick town and let's move to like uh, you know yeah. Omaha. You know, let's go. You know, let's, and then you you gravitate towards where the stuff you want to do is happening. Yeah. Maybe that's what happened to all the punk rock bands when you went back. They all got boats. Maybe yeah. they were just like, they fuck could've. it, let's let's just get on a boat. I mean, there just wasn't go many to, to start to start with. Yeah, I moved back in my late twenties for a couple of years, and I was like, fuck this, I'm coming back to California. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's just there's just, it's limiting. You know, it's uh, you're just. There's only so much you can do, and if you want to do it, they're like you know. I left now. Apparently, there's a comedy scene there. Not apparently, they're like there is. There, it's like a comedy scene. They call it. They call it mainland comedy, which is their version of saying alternative comedy. Yeah. And there's these guys <laughs> doing like smart, good stuff that has nothing to do with Hawaii, has nothing to do with being like local, has nothing to do with races, which is usually you know that kind is of, Hawaii. That, that is, is Hawaii. Hawaii. You know, Frank not even Hawaii. Style. That's just common Hawaii. Yeah, it? exactly. You know? you know, you get the uh, Freddie Babu's arrive at work at eleven, and his boss shouted, "You should have been at work two hours." ago freddie said why what happened um <laughs> that's from the book folks that's from the book that was one of the most po- that dude was so popular when we were kids <laughs> yeah with that act yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah let's uh we're gonna wrap it up we're gonna uh we're gonna God, yeah, a question. oh yeah yeah sorry yeah i was in a band very very briefly because I only actually lived there for, well, I think I lived there for like four months and then moved back. And then I moved like a year later and lived for four months again. It was in Wilmington. Um, but yeah, like. What was the draw to North Carolina? Like what? Um, my friend, our friend Raph moved there and then. Raph Taylor moved there. Yeah. And we, he was originally from there. Um so I just wanted to get out of Hawaii, but I wanted to move somewhere with friends. And he was one of my best friends. I mean, he's still one of my best friends. Um, and so me and our friend Jeremy 
and his girlfriend. Uh, we all just wanted to move. <laughs> yeah, TR. We all just wanted to move out of Hawaii, so we all just kind of picked North Carolina. And then just moved there. And I was, yeah, we were in a band, like, real briefly. Bill Murray. Well, I forgot. I guess I was in two bands there. Yeah, remember we opened up up for Devola and uh, iRobot. We basically became, like, it was a combination of of the new originals and 36 Chambers, but we just called ourselves Bill Murray. (laughs) Um, Booked a show before having a band. Yeah. And then... Well, I set up I set up a show for that band Devola in uh, Greenville through this other kid who I can't remember his name, but he was like setting up a show, and I was like, "Oh, hey," um, and then we ended up playing that show, and then yeah, I guess the second time I lived in North Carolina, uh, a couple of my friends from there started this band called Sandy Run, and it was more like it was a weird mix of like the Van Pelt. And like just kind of like a hardcore band, but like the second Van Pelt record, but like a hardcore band. So it was like a weird mix. But we just played. Describe it some more, please. I'll, I'll, I'll keep going. <laughs> you don't have that soundboard with the Chariots of Fire, so you can't. You sure the fuck do, oh, but I'm being. Um, You're my best friend. We played. <laughs> we play, I'm not going to do that to you. We I played one that. show. That was it. We opened up for Sweep the Lake Johnny. Hammer yeah. Sweep the Lake Johnny in a sandwich shop. There nice. was like twenty people. Um, Donald and I, when we were on tour in our, with out here with our band Quarterhead, got to open up for, uh, or we got to play on the same show as Blood Brothers. Yeah, yeah. No, we didn't actually. I don't we did not play we... that show, or we played the night before with the Faint, or somewhere. There was like a couple no. shows we had with. We just run for your fucking life. I think we played. A record store with somebody? I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. But anyway. But we did play with one of the worst versions of uh, Bastard Noise. Yes, we did. Bastard Noise. No good. <laughs> it was incredible. Like It was a, it was the it was, it was the chubby uh, Asian guy like with his butt crack showing as he fiddled with a tape deck. And then a, a guy, a skinny like white guy, just like staring at a computer screen. And then just white noise and kids going, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember yeah. being really excited. Because man, man is being, the ba- not being because in of... the room and watching them set up, and then stepping outside for a second, and then being told that they started and stepping back in, and there was no difference. No difference. Yeah, <laughs> from the setup to their set was the exact same sound and vibe. Like mm. they weren't doing anything. Please welcome incredible. playing their hit. Check one two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've had a. Rock really good time. I want to thank our guest, Donald Abel. Hey, Donald. Uh, hey, Donald. Check out Frequent Mentioned um, First Time Appearance. Be sure to check out uh, the album from Society Nurse that he is vocals on. We've played their song before. Really good track. If you want to check it out, is uh, Self Made Man. Very, very good song. Uh, I want to also thank Lance Bangs. Lance uh, Bangs. Hey. Check out uh, Breadcrumb Trail. Uh, which is a start, you're doing little tours around. Yeah, I'm basically going all over the states and over to the UK, uh, screening the film w- in person as many times as I can, and then bringing some of the band members for some of the. That's great. Well. Where can people go to find those dates? I think the, the internet touch and go or website or um, Lancebangs. Yeah, I guess there's probably a, yeah we'll put up something. But so <laughs> far we're uh, we're in LA at Cine Family like March 11th, 12th, and then that, continuing on through that weekend, and then. Uh, 
New York, Philly, Chicago, Louisville, um, San Francisco, Seattle, Atlanta, Athens. Most most college towns around the country we're going to. That's great. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Uh, also, uh, thanks uh, for listening to the show, and thanks for supporting the bands uh, that play on here. We The bands get a hold of us sometimes when you guys buy their stuff after hearing them. And it means a lot to us. It means a lot to the bands. Uh, so continue to do that as much as you can. Also, if you want to support the show uh, and our friend Dana Lechtenberg, we have a, uh, a special pre-order shirt deal going on at bluecollardistro.com. If you go there uh, and search for Jonah Ray, you'll see that you can get two shirts for a discounted rate. One looks like a Bad Brains album cover, and the other looks like a Dinosaur Jr. album cover. Both uh, awesome. Both are awesome. Uh, I am convinced that the Bad Brains will sell better than the Dinosaur Jr. one, but that's just a thing between me and Dana. So go there, get the uh, shirts, and get any uh, of the other shirts we have. Uh, Stop buying Neildit shirts. <laughs> no, continue to buy whatever you can. Uh, but uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening, and we're going to end uh, with uh, one quick song by uh, one of Donald's old bands, Three is Company, uh, and then we're going to go into the uh, Slint song, um, <clears throat> that we were talking about before. Good morning, Captain. Yeah, good morning, Captain. Did I fucking click off that? We'll just put it in later. But uh, yes, uh, so here is a, um, a Three's Company song. Thanks so much for listening. Sorry about the first episode. <laughs> miss you, Neil. Actually, wait. wait. Okay, we don't miss you, Neil. Oh, we didn't. We didn't like. We barely mentioned that Neil wasn't here. They, they'll figure it out.
the sound at the window then. The captain started. His breath was still. Slowly, he turned. Thank you.
Now leaving Nerdist.com.